0: His name is Hamish McLaughlin, and he joins us here on Form Lounge on this Friday afternoon. Haim, thank you very much for giving up your time on this Friday. How are you, mate? Are you excited?
1: Gareth, I've run you nine times to get on this show. Thank you for finally making <laughs> some room for me. And Huey, I've been a long-time listener,
2: long-time fan, <laughs> first time we've spoken. <laughs> Welcome, Ham. It's good to have you.
0: Now, Huey's done some homework for us. So he's got five topics for us to discuss, Hamish, a little bit like we did at the other network that we're at um, with the mighty Dean Lester, um, the late, great Dean Lester. So we'll have a bit of fun. Yeah, discuss a few topics. Yep, We miss him at this time of the year, don't we, mate?
1: Well, it's funny how often, Gareth, I'm in the car and I go to call and there's this, little second or millisecond, or I think, I'll ring Dean, he'll find that funny, or he'll have a view (laughs) on that, or he'll know who's going to win in uh, two weeks' time, or he'll know which way Amelia's duel uh, should go. And then I realise, okay, that's not going to happen. I do, I miss him a lot, and I think about him every day, and I speak to his mum, Sandra, a bit, and, uh, yeah, sadly missed.
2: He was a a great man, and we we know Simon Miller was a really good friend of Dean. So. If Dean was, st- was still with us, G and Hame, what do reckon his advice would be to Simon Miller whether to go to the Cox Plate or the Golden Eagle with his, with his star, Emilius Jewel?
0: Hayme, you go first. first. Oh, I'll okay. go first then. I was
1: looking at the numbers, Gareth. Sorry, I, guy, yes. I thought that you was in charge and gave me the steer and then I sort of shot through yeah, the gap sorry, and then I realised he closed sorry, in on me. So,
2: <laughs>
1: so I was looking at the numbers and the numbers <clears throat> tell a bit of a story. So you know, where do you want her to go? Let's assume she wins the group one tomorrow afternoon. So how much value are you adding with the Cox Plate? I'm not sure. She's going to be one of the most valuable mares of all time. Then it becomes, what do I really want to do with it? I want to win the greatest weight for age championship in Australia, or do I want to go chasing more money? And then you think, what is she best suited over? You know, 1,500 the mile, or does she go around the bus gut gut busting two thousand and forty metres? Well, so they're all questions that he needs to work out. But then, if you think about the pure numbers, the Golden Eagle is $10 million and 5.25 to the winner. The Cox Plate's five and three to the winner. So it's not quite double the money. But I would think the Golden Eagle is an easier assignment than the Cox Plate, and you can sort of cuddle her a bit more and look after her a bit more. But, yeah, what the thing... That's really bad English, particularly when I've had so much private education. The thing that Dean Lester (laughs) always said to Simon Miller was, you need to have one target and do not deviate. So I'm not sure whether Simon doesn't know exactly where he's going or not, but Dean was always, make sure you know your target, and that's the grand final. So I would think that Simon knows, and he's just, yeah, having a bit of fun with it all. The one thing I don't know is... Where is Gold Trip going, Cox Plate or not? And where is Militarised going, Cox Plate or not? Because Mark Hunter's one of the best judges in Australia and his view is both should go there, but he's unsure whether Kieran's going to take Gold Trip there because of other horses he got in the stable. And he's also not sure whether Militarised wouldn't just win the Cox Plate if it falls away a little bit. I can't see Amelia's Jewel getting beaten in the Golden yeah. Eagle.
0: No, and that's why you got to listen to Giddy Up, Amy. Should Mark should should too because we had David Eustace on, on the phone the other day. Gold Trips going to do what Fred Kersley wish he did with Northerly. So they'll, they will go to the Caulfield Cup and then they'll head towards, because I think they're a better chance of winning the Caulfield Cup than they are the Melbourne Cup because history tells you top weights like a daughter Dan and even a viewed after they won a Melbourne Cup have proven that you can go back and win a, a Caulfield Cup the next year. Then they'll go to the Cox Plate. They did that last year. They were held up with Jamie Spencer aboard. And then they went on to win the Melbourne Cup. So I think if the horse is healthy enough and he comes through those runs with no problems, they will try and run in all three with gold trips. So Caulfield Cup, Cox Plate and the Melbourne Cup. For Simon, I think Dino is ringing in his ears in a way that Simon has picked out a grand final for this horse And he is sticking to the program to get to that grand final because there's a $5 million King Charles on offer. And he would have nearly started favourite with her, Amelia's Jewel, if they went to the King Charles. But they decided to go to the Turak Handicap because she's loving Flemington. And she doesn't have to go to Sydney early if she's going to a Golden Eagle. So she can do all of her work in Melbourne at her new home in Melbourne at Flemington and then just float up at the last minute to compete at Rose Hill in a Golden Eagle. So that's why they've gone down the, the Chirac path. So she's a dollar ten to go to the Golden Eagle because I think she, I agree with you and I think the camp agree with us that they believe that she's a better chance of winning a Golden Eagle than she is a Cox Plate because there's so much unknown towards a Cox Plate. Wait for age against some genuine superstars, 2,000 metres for the first time Um, It would be a tough assignment for a a filly like that in only her her third preparation. So she'll head to the Golden Eagle and she'll be mighty hard to beat. And I think a man that's played a major part or who will play a major part in that decision is Damien Lane because Damien Lane knows a horse like a romantic warrior after competing against him in Hong Kong and a few of the other internationals. But he also knows the opposition really well in the Golden Eagle. He understands how good Licato is and he understands how good that Japanese four-year-old is as well. And I think he believes that she'll have no problems in defeating those two gallopers. So I reckon Dino would say you've done the right thing so far, Simon. I'm proud of you that you missed the Everest because for a four-year-old mare, you wouldn't have been able to do what you were trying to do with her if you went to the Everest and then a Golden Eagle. So you pulled the right rein there. I told you not to do that and you listened. And... Go to the Golden Eagle and win and keep on doing what you're doing, entertaining everybody, being um, terrific with the media, promoting the game that we love. And I'm super proud of you, son. So I think that Amelia's jewel will win the Turak and she'll win the Golden Eagle.
2: It's interesting, though, how Haim says that Dino would say, pick your target and stick to that target the whole spring. Do you reckon Simon Miller's just playing f- funny buggers then with the media? Because he was quoted on your show the other day. I'll just quote Simon. She was thriving in Melbourne, so no, why not just leave her here and best you up for your grand final? Jeez. As I was riding that on, I was thinking Cox Plate is his go, is her go. Sorry, but now, now you're saying he's definitely going to the Golden Eagle. So maybe he has got that target locked in. Um, but geez, I've got no idea.
0: He's got that. He's got that problem, Simon. Uh, and you would know this well, Hamish, because like you couldn't say no to me coming on this show because you're too good of a human being. Simon doesn't want to disappoint anyone, basically. So that's right. He's, he's a
1: wonderful it. man. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. I think the other thing, G, is he is a you know he, he grew up looking at Caulfield, Flemington and Moonee Valley, the lure of having a horse in the Cox Plate, if it isn't his grand final, is enormous. If the Golden Eagle was always his thought, maybe she's going so well and things are dropping around uh, her. Well, like if you looked at um, Romantic Warrior, you're not anywhere near as scared of Romantic Warrior as you were prior to the run. I know he'll improve. We know that he's going to be better, but it's like he's not unbeatable by any stretch of the imagination. So he's suddenly thinking... I was going to the Golden Eagle. I could win the Cox Plate, but in I, well, I don't know what, what he's chosen. And if you've laid it out as you've laid it out, maybe that's where he goes and goes and wins over 1500 and thinks about the Cox Plate next year. But uh, I can imagine there's confusion as as players get injured, change, fall apart. You know, I, I, I get I get that he, he's not categorical yet, but I would think in his mind he's pretty car- categoric, but not verbalising it.
2: Right, O.G. Well, just quickly, is, I'll throw it to you first. Is tomorrow the greatest day of racing this country has ever produced? We've got three Group Ones and three Group Ones, two Group Twos and two Group Threes in Melbourne, and then obviously in Sydney we've got the Everest, the King Charles, and a plethora of others. So, is this the greatest day this country has ever produced?
0: I'll go first here. I, I think it, I think it's one of the best days of racing that I've seen for quite some time, and I think I can't recall a build-up, especially in Sydney, heading towards at Everest. Now, what Peter Velandis has been able to do for this race has been quite extraordinary. Everywhere you look, there's promotion and marketing about the Everest. You look in both papers, the Sydney Morning Herald and the, the, the Daily Telegraph, it is saturated with the Everest and um, the promotion of this race and the storylines with Jerry Harvey and Singo and Ray Hadley and the storylines with the three-year-olds condolphin and, and Alcohol-Free and Gay Waterhouse. So it's capturing the imagination of uh, the sporting public here. It's worth $20 million. Um, and we all know it's not really worth 20 because the slot holders put in $700,000 each. So about $8.4 million of that is generated by the slot holders. But it still has been able to create a magical storyline and the way that they go about promoting this race with innovation, getting a lot of the younger generation to, to Royal Randwick tomorrow, they'll be packed out. There'll be 40 odd thousand close to 50,000 there um, has been terrific for the sport of thoroughbred racing. And I love how Josh Blanksby and Peter Volandis have got together Haym, and said, how can we do this for the betterment of the game regarding the televi- tele, um, the television coverage? Because that's important, especially for free to wear. So they've worked out a plan. They've put their better races at Caulfield towards the back end of the day. Amelia's Jewel will be running now at a quarter to six. And so they've extended their coverage in Channel 7, heading into the six o'clock news. So I think racing's the big winner tomorrow, Hame. I think it's terrific for the game.
1: a couple of things you've said there, Gareth, just need to be reiterated. That's what needs to happen all the time between Victoria and New South Wales, New South Wales and Queensland. Like, continue to work hand in glove or watch this sport disappear into the abyss. I love horse racing as much as anyone, and I just hope that those that are in charge can continue to collaborate to make it all work. So the question was posed by Huey, is it the best race day Australia's ever produced. It's hard to argue that it's not. If you go just on numbers, $38 million, unheard of. If you have a look at the fields, they're extraordinary. You've got Group 1s, 2s and 3s at Caulfield that starts at just afternoon and finishes just before 6. And the last half a dozen races are so compelling you sort of can't take your eyes off them. The Herbert Power has got all of its storylines within it. Then the Northwood Plume where you're seeing the mayors, but then you really start to get your teeth into it. The scalachi into the Weekend Hustler, into the Might and Power, into the Vaz, into the Guineas, into the Tourac. It's like that in itself is one of the best race days. But when you think about what's being offered up in Sydney, now the King Charles isn't a new race, but the number uh, assigned to the new name of the race, five million itself is extraordinary. To think that Mr. Brightside is a 225 favourite, I find staggering given who he's up against. I Mr. Brightside is a horse that I like. I just keep thinking he's going to falter and he doesn't. I hope he continues to sort of create this picket fence that goes on and on. But the Everest, I just didn't see it becoming what it has become seven years ago. I yeah. didn't think that it was going to be the race that captured so many people's attention. I sort of I'm not I'm not embarrassed to say, it, but being a sort of Victorian for the last twenty Five years. I would love to say Corfield's. You know, clearly my interest tomorrow. They're equally my interest tomorrow, and it shouldn't be state versus state. But I can't wait to watch the St- Sydney Stakes. You know, all those sprinters. You know, a couple of them are emergencies into the Everest, the Osco prior to it, allowing these bush trainers to have a crack at two million dollars. Yeah. The Silver Eagle. You know, who's going to go towards the Golden Eagle from it? All up into the King Charles, into the Yank Stakes to finish. It's like. My best friend's getting married tomorrow, so I can't come. Oh, I just no. can't come.
0: No. <laughs> anyway, it's, come it. it's,
1: ju- it's, ju- it's just the best. And so try yeah. and think of a day. I mean, there's, there's great days. Derby Day's phenomenal at Flemington, but it's thin elsewhere, whereas tomorrow you slug it out. Let's go to actual timing. The gloaming's at 2.15, and it just gets better and better and better at Randwick. The Herbert Power is at 125 and is unbelievable all the way to the news. So you've got a 20-raced uh, uh, double between the two, and there's not too many of those 20 races you're not really keen to watch. So it's a gen- my aunt you, here is, it's bloody hard to beat.
2: It's a genuine smorgasbord, and we need to find a winner, Hayme. So we're going to take a little quick break, and I'm going to get an Everest tip from you after the break.
0: Welcome back to the Form Lounge. Gareth Hall with you, filling in for Miles Fitzner for... This hour, and it's all thanks to the Million Dollar Chase, of course, it's on tonight, the world's richest greyhound race, the Labrokes Million Dollar Chase. Chattanoa will be performing, so get your free tickets at the milliondollarchase.com today. You. So, Haym, who takes out the $20 million feature?
1: Uh, your guess is as good as mine. I, there's a few horses that, in this, you sort of fall in love with over their career because they never let you down. If you went from the top, I wish I win. 15 times have been in the top three from 17 outings. Moody's a genius. Luke knows the horse. He's a winner. Why can't he win? Now, whether he gets buried um, back on the inside and get out is the question mark. I think he's going to have plenty of time at Randwick. Private Eye, and think about it for Joe Pride. Could you want to own uh, a couple of geldings that are more reliable and brilliant? Private Eye's life changed last year when he won the Gil guy. then when ran second in the everest won four million dollars in the next two weeks from a couple of outings this is the horse i love the three think about it so by so you think 11 starts 10 wins and a third and i reckon he's the most unknown horse in australia joe pride's sort of a a trainer that flies under the radar sam clipperton's the same as a jockey this horse every time it walks out on a track wins except once three from three at round four from four at the distance three from three Second up, if he's not in the finish, he's had the worst day of his career. Buenos Notches is, is just a ripper. Buenos Notches is one of those horses that, again, because of the Matty Smith factor, I reckon it goes around at a great price every time. Dean Lester loved In Secret, said one of the best fillies he'd ever seen now and there at four. Cummings is a genius. And then you can't dismiss Wallet. So I've named horses without giving you a tip. I've got a feeling Waller's going to pull something out of a hat and there's going to be an odds buster. So that becomes either Espiona or Shinzo or Joe Pride wins. So take Waller or Pride to win with Matty Smith charging home. If you've had to put a gun to my head, I think Joe Pride's got the winner in Private Eye, I think, about.
0: it. g man. I agree with you, Ham. I think Private Eye is a massive chance. I've just got this feeling that Godolphin... Like, so, Godolphin with their business set up in racing is that, like, if you've got a horse like a, a cylinder and he hasn't won a group one, because they're about breeding, of course, they say, Well, yeah. we'll concentrate on the Coolmore, we're not going to the Everest. But they have targeted the Everest with this horse from a long way out. I think when he started his campaign as a three year old, when his second in the slipper, the Everest was the race that they really wanted to get him in. And they knew that they had in secret in their back pocket as well. They've got the blinkers on him, so they've saved the blinkers for him. And He probably needs to improve a length or so, this horse. He gets a young gun in Zach Lloyd from a low gate. He should just get a lovely run just off the pace. I think he's a big chance cylinder, and I think private Eye is the other play here. I wish I win is the intriguing horse, Luke Nolan, inside draw. It could be one of his greatest ever moments, Luke Nolan, if he can weave his way through with I wish I win if he sees daylight, this this horse. I think he's got the best turn of foot in the race. Um, but they do need to go a pace, and he do and he does need a little bit of time to wind up, I wish I win. So I think he's a risk from gate one, but it's interesting, Huey, to see the money for him today. with Huey, yeah.
1: can I just say, if you said to me 12 runners tomorrow, if you said to me Marzu one, I'd be staggered. If you said to me alcohol-free one, I'd be staggered. If you said any of the other 10 won, there's not one thing that would surprise me
2: with any of 100%. that. Hundred percent, and that's where race. I'm sort of. And that's I'm the beauty sort of, li- of
1: this race. It's like, go on, go on. No, no. Well, that's the beauty of this race. They wanted to have a long um, life of this race, and you've got to have twelve gun runners that gives all of the barrier holders a chance. I reckon there's two that um, you can just put a line through. And we're talking about a July Cup winner and a horse that hasn't found its. Form in Marzoo for a long time. So, you know, alcohol free in Mazu, any of the other tens, like absolutely it could win.
2: Is it Australia's biggest race, home? Is it it's nearly getting near that Melbourne Cup or nowhere near it yet?
1: Well, it's funny, isn't it? You've got sort of such a contrast. You've got the handicappers and history and so much time and water under the bridge versus the upstart punk rock star who's just burst onto the scene with new money in Tin City that's, you know, making all the noise. You couldn't have more contrasting types. It's, you know, the classical versus, um, you know, the rock star. I, I love the Everest, and I love the cup, and I love the Cox Plate. They're my three. In terms of attention, I don't think any race now gets more attention than eyeballs in the Everest.
2: Yeah, I tend to agree. I tend to agree. Now, hey, if I'm writing an article tomorrow night at Caulfield. End of the day, what will be my headline? What will be the racing headline on Saturday night? Uh, and it can't be a combined pride, one with Go on. Pride Pride
1: in the Everest. Pride for our Everest.
0: G <laughs> man. I got a couple. Militarized now to win a cox plate war or Buckaroo bucks himself into coxplate contention.
2: Love it. Noted them down. I need that help, so we'll just qu- <laughs> which we're,
0: we're chasing, we're chas- hey, we're chasing a- clicks though, lads, so you haven't really no, given much. Hey I've got a multi for you before we let you go. You jot this one down?
1: You ready? Yeah, I've got a pen out. I've got a uni ball, uh, fine blue, ready to go.
0: Amelia's jewel, alligator blood at Caulfield. And then we've got Mm -hmm. Arctic Glamour in the third race there at Randwick. Tom Kitten in the Gloaming Stakes. And then I know you love this. We'll go to the Trot Saturday night. Ladies in red will win in the feature mayor's race. And Queen Alita will win the Group 1 Bill Collins Trotter's Mile. Um, And that will give us around 20 to 1. And then um, you can call one end of your tennis court, Dean Lesser, and the other end, Gareth Hall.
1: Well, the Dean Leicester end is in. It's got its plaque. If I could put the Gareth Hall plaque at the other end, it would be an absolute <laughs> true. So that's six. The six leg all up, six favourites, is it? So yep. The four horses you named. Six favourites. And the two trotters, I assume, are faves. Correct. Okay. Well, I like it. I'd love a Miller's jewel to win. There's not many better blokes in racing than Simon Miller. I love Frosty Lane, but Simon deserves to have uh, a career horse and he's got it now. I can't imagine how excited he must be when... In fact, he'd beat the alarm when it goes off. He would have been awake for 15 minutes thinking about, how have I ended up with one of the best horses in Australia, arguably the world, and she is right now in the peak of her powers. What a bloody thrill.
2: Now, hey, make yes. sure you're looking out for those those Oaks runners because your you when you're with Gary and Tim and your Oaks tips, the, the text message is going off here, so make sure we get Haymes' Oaks tips. Make sure we get Haymes' Oaks oh, tips. God. So you, you just keep your eyes peeled and note that Oaks... Right, all right. We'll get you on in a few weeks' time. Have, we'll have you heard, have
1: you, have you heard what, it, what happened over the journey? Jared, uh, Jared Whiteley rang me one day and said, "Give me a tip for the Oaks." I said, "Bang, bang, <laughs> bang, bang, bang." It was first four. He rang back the next year, and we—I think we got them in order. Then he rang back the next year, so four years in a row, never more than four horses, and two of the four years, I think it's been in order, which means this year you will not have. Uh, one of my horses fill a spot the way that uh, the punting gods work, but no, uh, it's been a bit lucky on Oaks
2: I've got a 2020 personal, 2021 first four with Willowy, and the 2022 was She's Extreme. So it was a it was a one one and a half k first four in 2021, and a $435 first four last year. So no pressure, Ham.
1: No, no pressure. Gamble responsibly. Think about what you could be buying instead for full and confidential support. Uh, call a number on your screen or something like that.
0: That's loose change for Ham, But, geez, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, Hamish. Unbelievable. Anytime, G Man Huey. Nice to meet you. Thanks, mate.
1: You too, man.